Welcome to the Odetto Podcast, where normal is not my specialty. I am your host, the mysteriously back from the dead, <laughs> Adam Higgins, the Odd Out. You can find me at OddDadOutPodcast.com and at OddDadOut on all the social media places. And this is the show where I ramble and rant about my life and what the hell's going on in it. I tell you about some podcasts or shows that I'm into and... Maybe I'll just make fun of some assholes from the news every now and then. I really feel like I need to get back into that. <sighs> I'm not dead. I'm not dead. Ah, How you been? I know I haven't asked you in a while. I'm sorry. Um, life sucks. Life is, gets in the way. And I've always said, you know, at the end of the day, life comes first, family comes first, and work gets busy, and the holidays are damn busy. I think, honestly, I don't think I have had a December so far in the history of this podcast that I've made it through and, and without missing a good amount of time. The holidays are just busy, and this year was especially busy, mostly because of just kind of everything that happened between Thanksgiving and Christmas and even into New Year's. Things were just really busy and hectic around here. And I mentioned in the last episode, way back around Thanksgiving time, that I had gone back to Texas and picked up my father-in-law's pickup truck and the whole adventure that came with that. But, you know, I knew it It had some mechanical issues. I knew there were some troubles with it and things that I needed to handle. And some of it I've gotten fixed. Some of it I haven't. Some I've gotten some new little issues that I've been working on. It's kind of slowly but surely me working on the truck, trying to get some things fixed. You know, replaced a bunch of little parts, uh, changed out the air box, um, solenoids and some sensors and some switches here and there. And you know, run into some other troubles. I had some, at uh, one point where the whole thing just wouldn't start, wouldn't crank, wouldn't nothing. Turns out that the uh, little switch in the clutch pedal that tells the rest of the motor, the engine that you're actually pushing the clutch in to start it, that little switch slipped off its little switch. <laughs> the little, the switch slipped off of its little spot on the clutch. And so it wasn't telling me, it wasn't telling the truck that I was you know, pushing the clutch. And so it wouldn't crank. It wouldn't do anything. It was literally just a push the little thing back on and click and it's done. And hey, there it goes. But it's still got some issues and it's still some, not super reliable. So I'm not driving it much of it all. I might get it fired up, which takes quite a while to do and drive around the neighborhood just to make sure it's getting driven. But as of this point, I'm still not driving that truck anywhere of any distance never mind that we still because it's not the most mechanically reliable right now we still haven't gotten it registered here and just because i need to get some you know i need to be able to take it over to the dps and get it you know emissions done get all the little things that i have to do to get it registered here i have it's not mechanically sound enough to take it so not quite there yet need to get it done but I haven't got it there quite yet. But, you know, truck stuff. <laughs> I've, I've got so much that I've been sitting on and so much stuff that, that's happened since Thanksgiving. And I'm like, hey, I've got so much stuff to talk about. But I've just been so busy home-wise lately that I just haven't had the time to get on mic. And the thing is, well, it's not that I haven't had the time. You know, my day's off or my day's off. They are what they are. The thing is that lately, especially with the holidays and everything, I've been so busy during the daytime that realistically, when I have the time to sit down and record, I've opted to sleep. And if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you know that I am not one to get a lot of sleep. 
And so the two, maybe three nights out of the week that I have the potential to have a full night of sleep, I really need to take them. The guys at work still freak out that a good day of sleep for me counting naps is only about five hours. So on my days off, actually going to bed at a decent time is better for my health long run. But I, I do miss being on mic and I've I've missed sitting down and I was really nervous. I You have no idea me sitting down right now, just like, you know, lining the mic up again and putting on my headphones and kind of dusting stuff off because it feels like an eternity since I've sat in this chair and had a mic in front of me. And so it feels weird. And just like, like I said, I've had so much stuff I've wanted to share with you because we've done so much stuff. We've actually had a very eventful last two months or three months. I don't even know. I mean, the basically Thanksgiving, all of December, pretty much all of January at this point. And so, yeah, it's, it's been kind of crazy, but I'm probably going to be just letting you know now I've got so much to share that we've done recently. I'm probably going to spread some stories out because, well, I could just dump and, and spend the next hour doing all that. Sorry, I'm, I'm moving around in this chair and this chair is rattling a lot. I don't know if you can hear that, but <laughs> I, c- I could dump everything right now. But also, I, I, something that I've kind of realized that I really deviated from last year. And it really kind of was like the whole year, especially when I started the year with saying, oh, yeah, I want to do written reviews on the website and I want to do more thorough reviews and like formal, you know, ratings and all that stuff. And I did it for a little while and then it fell off because it's a lot of work. And doing that sort of stuff on the limited amount of time when I have such limited time to record the podcast, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and write out blog posts and write out separate reviews and stuff for podcasts. And I haven't listened to a lot of new podcasts lately. I've got one recommendation that I just got of something to listen to a new uh, audio drama, not a new one, but one that I was recently introduced to that I need to start listening to. So there's that, but I haven't been listening to anything new recently, at least nothing really worth sharing. And so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, empty as far as podcast recommendations right now. There's nothing I haven't that I'm listening to right now that I haven't already shared. And I kind of wanted to keep my re-reviews, my kind of throwback, you know, re-featuring older shows that I've talked about. I kind of wanted to keep that in the I'm writing a blog post full written review sort of realm. I kind of wanted to keep that there. More just kind of as it's some content for the website, more so than sharing things with you. But again, you could be new. You may not be one of those crazies that has listened to every episode and heard all of my reviews in the last six years. God, it's been almost, it's, I'm at like five and a half years. I'm even losing track. Um, I think last year, I think I just full on missed my six year anniversary. I, I'm not going to lie. I'd have to go back and look, but I believe I'm actually going on the seventh year of this show. Holy shit. But I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get into that right now because I'm losing track of time. But I want to get back into doing like reviews of stuff. And just to say, I feel like after two months, it's a little late for me to give my review of Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm just going to say I cried a lot. I liked it way more than a lot of the reviewers that I listened to, like the countdown guys. And we watched a thing and those guys that I listened to, I liked it a lot more than they did. I'm a big emotional bitch. My kids liked it. They enjoyed the movie. I had a blast. I cried my face off because, again, I'm a big emotional bitch. But it's a great movie. And if you haven't already seen it, again, it's not even, I don't even think it's in theaters anymore. I think you probably have to go to the dollar cinema or whatever. It's damn near about to come out on DVD and streaming and all that. But if you haven't actually seen it, you should go see it. Also, Spider-Man No Way Home. Was that the last one? Yeah. That one? Fucking awesome, too. Really good movie. Good emotional moments in that one, too. But just 
the really good balance of comedy and emotion and and nostalgia and all that stuff. Excellent. But you know, I, I want to get back to having my rambly bullshit like this and my reviews of whatever I'm watching or listening to. Maybe not just put, you know, not going to be just podcast recommendations. It's probably going to have some TV, Netflix stuff. You know, what have I been listening to? What have I been watching? More of that because I'm watching more stuff on, I'm catching up on stuff on Netflix and Hulu a little bit more. Um, you know, I take, you know, I, I got to watch something because I grew up falling asleep to the TV. I have to fall asleep to TV. I sleep better when I have a, the TV on in the background and when it's something familiar, then I am even easier. And that's why for the longest time, I actually would pull up Netflix and I'd put old Star Trek, I'd put Next Generation on or DS9 and I'd fall asleep to that and I'd take my naps watching DS9. Be, not because it would put me to sleep, but because I'd seen it already. So I was very familiar with it and it was comforting to me. Yes, I realize it seems really weird that falling asleep to DS9 is comforting. But lately it's been MASH. I actually came across a retro TV channel or page on TikTok. And one of the things they showed was MASH. And then I ended up following a channel, or I keep saying channel, it's TikTok, but uh, an account on TikTok that is just showing clips from MASH. And they'll like do like an entire week devoted to one character. And so hitting me in all of the, uh, sort of nostalgia feels because I used to watch MASH religiously as a kid and I'm 99% sure I've seen every episode which is weird for my age but you know it's who I am I'm I don't make sense but I, I you know it's been a lot of that and so I've I've been watching MASH during my naps or whatever which you know again watching it during my you know what I mean but um yeah it's just been more of that but there's also been some new shows I've been checking out because sometimes you just want to watch something that you haven't seen before and it's not a lot of the same stuff. And so there's some shows that I've been checking out. And so I will actually have later on in the show a recommendation of a Netflix show. And I might have another one coming up soon. There was something else I was watching recently that I'm blanking at the moment, but definitely worth watching once I remember what the fuck it is. <laughs> But I also, because I just, I enjoy doing it enough. I enjoy doing it. And it's something that everybody really has. I think it's probably everybody's favorite part of the show. More so than listening to me ramble about bullshit and telling you about my garden. And you've missed the entire fucking garden this whole last two months. There's so much happens in the end of the year for my garden. But. I'm bringing back the news and I'm going to do my damnedest I, I, to, to get everything posted and to have news every week because for one, weird news is finally coming back. Not everything is politics and, and bullshit right now. And I can finally find news that is weird shit that's not COVID related or politics related. Not that there's not a ton of that, but if you're going to go and get the news, then I don't want to give you the bullshit that's going to stress you out. I want to laugh at people. I want to make fun of stupid people doing stupid shit. And so I found some stupid people doing some stupid shit. And I've got a full news segment for you today. Damn it. Because my first episode back of the year needs a full news segment. Damn it. <laughs> but before I do that, I have to get this out of the way because so much has happened. We've got to take a trip to the garden. I don't know about that. <laughs> I like the the birds I recorded in my yard, but I don't know about that music. And, and I think it might be a little too long. What do you think? I'm, I'm probably going to tweak that some more later if I ever remember. So <laughs> at this point, at the end of January, beginning of February, my garden is all but gone. <laughs> Not gone like, yeah, you know, we ripped it all up, but gone as in everything has been picked. 
other than one thing. And that one thing are the surprise tomatoes that we ended up having just because, you know, it was a tiny little tomato sprout that I thought was a weed that turned into a now five foot tomato plant. But other than that, everything else has run its course for the season or was devoured by the dog. And I don't remember if I mentioned this back around Thanksgiving, but, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned in the past, Mystic actually likes vegetables. Mystic being our giant toddler of a husky, she actually likes vegetables and would very commonly take the cucumbers off of the plant and eat them. Well, she apparently also likes celery and carrots. And she managed to not only rip down and eat all of our cucumbers that we had growing, she also ripped up and ate six celery stalks, or like the whole six celery plants, and dug up and ate all of my carrots. And I don't remember if I mentioned this before, but yeah, she basically ate all of our salad vegetables other than the lettuce. She left the lettuce alone. And without all that stuff, I didn't have much other than lettuce for salads. I had pretty good salad going there or pot roast. My wife really was looking forward to those carrots and celery for pot roast and our potatoes, which I did get. I did get some potatoes out, but yeah, she, she dug up and ate everything, all this and like the celery and the carrots. I was really excited for because our carrots last year were great and super sweet. And this year I was really looking forward to the carrots because they were looking really good. And the few that I had pulled to just kind of thin things out were really sweet and really good. And I was really excited for my carrots and she ate them all, every damn one. And it just destroyed that whole garden bed. And I was so, I was just as mad as I was just heartbroken that I'd lost all of that stuff that I'd put so much work into because I'd planted the celery, especially just with these tiny little sprouts that I thought were just nothing. I didn't think anything was going to come from them. And the next thing I know, I've got full-size celery bunched up and I got six of them bunched up in my garden. And I'm like, holy shit, we actually grew celery. This is awesome. And then she ate it all. <sighs> so mad. I was more mad about the celery and the carrots than I was about her pulling good cucumbers down and eating them. It just, it, oh man, it, it, it just ripped my gardening heart out and, and stomped it into compost. Uh, and without all of that stuff to go along with the lettuce, we didn't really use much lettuce. And that's also a thing that like we've kind of decided, even though it grows very well, and we've managed to get very good harvests of it. We're not going to grow lettuce anymore. We just don't use it enough. And I don't have enough people at work to justify, that would take it to justify growing lettuce anymore. Maybe in the future, I'll try again and maybe do like a head because everything we've done so far, we're all like loose leaf lettuce, like um, romaine and and I've got a salad red that I've got in there still. But I think maybe in the future, if I do any kind of lettuce again, I'll do like a full like globe head lettuce, like a just like iceberg lettuce or, or a butter lettuce or something like that. Just something where there's like a ball, <laughs> something like those things, ah, those things take up so much space. I like, I'd have to plant one, <laughs> you know, I would have to just plant one of those and that'd be the one in that entire bed and that'd be it. And just like, nope, I got one lettuce for the year and that's all I'm worried about. This is this one, I'm going to make a salad or I'm going to make tacos with it or whatever. And that's it. But yeah, I've, if we've devoted way too much time and space to a vegetable that nobody really eats outside of maybe putting on tacos and the occasional salad. We don't eat enough salads and I can't get the boys to eat enough salads to justify growing eight different lettuce plants. <laughs> really, I probably could cover everything with one. So toodaloo lettuce, no more lettuce for us. But I'm still going to grow my carrots, damn it. And I, I actually could right now and I'm probably going to in the next week or two uh, plant carrots for the spring because I've got my beds in a good condition. I need to, you know, level everything off, maybe throw in some fertilizer or something for the new season, 
but the beds are in good shape right now where I can try and grow another set of carrots if Mystic doesn't fucking eat them. But yeah, right now I just picked the last of our glass gem corn last week. And so all of it has been picked and shucked back and is currently hanging out to dry and cure on my, it's a clothing rack. It's a portable clothing rack, you know, one of those wheelie cart things. I for, I bought it to use as, uh, I think I've talked about this before, as kind of a portable sound booth. And two of them and a bunch of moving blankets and stuff, and I cover it. And it has since moved out into the backyard, and I use it to hang up herbs and to dry herbs and to hang up all the corn and everything when it comes in. And so that's what I do to cure our sweet, or not our sweet corn. That's next season. Our glass gem, our popcorn. And this year, you got to say, if for no other reason, there's almost no other reason really to follow me on Instagram other than for stuff like my corn and my garden stuff. Most of what I post on Instagram realistically is stuff from my garden. But right now, when we're harvesting corn is probably the best time because I've been posting up as we've been picking, go out there in a morning and just check the the different ears and check, nope, these are, this one's ready to come off. And we pick two or three or four ears in the morning and peel them back. And that has probably got to be my favorite thing about growing glass gem corn is you don't know what it's going to look like when you open it up. And it's like this whole big, it's like unwrapping Christmas presents, but it's corn because there's so much color variety and variation and all that from ear to ear and row to row. You don't know what you're going to get. You're going to peel it back and you might be able to feel and kind of feel that it's a good, solid, well-filled out uh, ear, or it may be a dud and it's got a bunch of you know empty spots that from bad pollination. We've had a lot better luck this year. We really, I've got my method down this year. I definitely know how I'm going to be planting like the arrangement for them going forward to get really good pollination because we got a really good result this year. So really excited going forward. But this time we got some color. We didn't normally, or I would say normally, we've only done this once before, but we didn't, we had a lot of color this year that we didn't have last year. Last year, we had a lot of more denim sort of blues, but a lot of pink and and reds and a lot more of that sort of color this year we had a whole section with a lot of very like gold yellow and some more pat like less pastels and more deep blues and greens like dark dark blues and some just but much more variety and they're so Especially with the greens and blues, it was a lot different than the green, the no green last year at all. It was mostly in the pinks and again, sort of a denim blue. And this year, there's a lot deeper color and a lot more of the ears we have are much more well filled out and clean looking rows, much better looking ears this year. I think our final count after throwing out all of the sort of dud ears that just didn't pollinate right. I think we have 26 and about 13 of those are solid, full ears, no duds, really good. And I think we decided this year we're actually going to sell them. And because you can, you know, a lot of people use them for decoration. They're just pretty. Again, follow me on Instagram. You'll see I've got a lot of pictures up of, especially right now with all the corn and everything. So, yeah. I, I, I'm just super excited. We've still got probably another week, I think, of corn hanging up before it's really sellable. But, you know, we've got 13 ears of solid, sellable, just whole, really good decorative corn. And the other 13 ears, we can, we're planning to strip and sort out and use for seed and possibly sell as seed because we've tested it in the past. We can grow from our own stock 
And so we may just sell seed corn for this as well. It's really pretty. And I think we actually, because opening this year, we really kind of realized looking at the color variations and we're like just asking what affects the color because there's so much variety. And so we really were kind of questioning, well, did it come from the kernel we planted? I don't remember what color the kernels were that we planted as seed. I wasn't paying attention to that stuff. But we noticed sort of a pattern also in their placement that the stalks to one side favored one sort of color and the ones in this section in the middle had a lot more of the pastels and the ones over to this other side had a lot more of the blues and greens. And so we're asking, okay, is it a light thing? Is it like a sun water thing? Is it the color of the initial seed? So this year, when we do our next one, we plan to track that and say, okay, we're planting this with intent to see what what do we get from it? So we can actually kind of predict, hopefully, that being the goal, predict what our colors are going to be and see if, or have no clue. That could be absolutely, you know, bunk and there'd be no rhyme or reason to it other than I saw a video of a guy who, after several generations of selective breeding, managed to grow an entire crop of solid, like royal purple glass gem corn. But man, he had, he really worked on it. <laughs> and like, I'm not that devoted but I'd like to be able to know what I'm going to get out of my harvest. But it's still cool to do. And even though there are plenty of other colors of corn and varieties of corn we could grow, I love growing this stuff. It's just pretty, and I love the surprise. I think that's probably our favorite part of it, is opening them up and getting to see what the colors are and how they turned up. And just, it's that surprise. Don't enough about corn. Because I've also had a bunch of potatoes because I planted about six or seven uh, little kind of maybe not even egg sized uh, gold potatoes. I think they're Yukons, the variety we buy because I bought them from the store. It's just the kind I used to make my roasted potatoes that I've talked about in the past and given the recipe for, I believe. And if not, somebody remind me if I haven't given the recipe for my roasted potatoes, if and I'll let you know next time. But I just had some extras left over. Okay, I bought them specifically to plant, but I had extras and just shoved them down in there, got two fists deep and planted about seven potatoes in the garden and got, I had some that I had to actually pull up and take some off the top because there were some potatoes coming up, sticking out of the dirt and was like, oh, nope, can't do that. And so I had two good little harvests, I think. Across everything, I probably got, uh, I, I think I got maybe a dozen or so off the first harvest. And I think I've got about two dozen, dozen or two dozen. So I've probably gotten somewhere in the vicinity of 25 to 30 potatoes out of the original seven that I planted, seven or eight that I planted, I forget. So not a bad return. I basically have to pick everything to get a meal, but I'm also growing tiny little egg-sized potatoes, not great big russet potatoes where you need like three or four for a meal for a whole bowl of mashed potatoes. I need everything. But I did pull a bunch of them. Like I said, there were some that were already at the top and were starting to stick out of the ground. So I pulled those and they were all good size. And I I stuck them in the air, sliced them up, salt and pepper and some olive oil in the air fryer just to kind of fry them up really good made some really nice potato wedges from those and were like butter they were so smooth so creamy i could not believe that i never had fresh potatoes out of the ground like that before they were so good but i've also still got oddly enough turning my compost i had thrown some of the other just kind of potatoes up nope these gone bad throw them in the compost pile they started sprouting so i transferred two of them over into the bed where the carrots used to be and those are currently growing. So I'm going to kind of sit on that for a bit because Hey, more potatoes, but I've got a box of potatoes currently curing in my pantry and I gotta go check on those because it's been about a week, but it's supposed to take like probably a week to 10 days to cure 
so that the skins harden up on them. And if that happens, and they're, if they cure properly in there, which I'll be really glad if they do, then I'll have successfully harvested and stored potatoes. I'll be really excited if it all works out right. Or I'm going to have a box of moldy potatoes in my pantry. So cross my fingers. What else? We went through all the green beans over the holidays. Um, we used them all up between Thanksgiving and Christmas. We used up all of our green beans. And right around that time, they pretty much went dormant. They stopped producing. We're like, okay, you know what? We got plenty. I think all in all, I probably got a pound and a half to two pounds of green beans out of the plants we had. I think it was like three plants. That's plenty. Um, looked good. I've still got, that's the other thing. I've still got garlic in the ground, but garlic takes forever. And I'm pretty sure as much as I would like to grow my own garlic, it just takes so damn long. I'm pretty sure going forward, I'm going to skip garlic. It just takes up space because it stays in the ground for like nine months. And so it ends up eating up garden space that I could use for something else because it basically sits in there for two seasons. And right now, I'm I'm really having to fight the urge to rip all my garlic out just so I can plant something else there. As much as I want the garlic, we want to plant our spring garden. And there's a big chunk of garden space right now that's taken up by garlic that I won't be able to pick until it's too late to plant anything else in that area. So I think I'm probably going to forego garlic going forward. but. We're getting ready in the next week or two. Probably this week, I'll be going in and planting our spring cucumbers. Hopefully, keep Mystic out of them. I think I might have to get some fencing or something. I don't know. Just something to keep her from eating them all. Um, But we're going to be planting cucumbers. I want to plant more carrots. I think I'm going to be planting more potatoes soon. We've got to kind of figure it out. And we've got to commit to one melon this year whether it be cantaloupes or watermelon. Um, we, we keep trying pumpkin. We have yet to successfully grow pumpkins. We have yet to successfully grow watermelons. Cantaloupes kind of were a wash last year. We just need to, like, I really want to just commit to one melon and get it right. So we got that to do. Of course, we've got sweet corn that we can plant in the spring, and we can turn a lot of sweet corn because takes about a month and a half to go from seed to harvest for sweet corn. It goes really fast and we don't get as big of a result, but they're bigger ears and they're super sweet. I love the corn that we got last year. I forget what the variety is, but it was so good. I've never had corn that fresh and that sweet before. It was really good. So we'll probably do two whole plantings of sweet corn. And yeah, with the method we Figuring out this year for the glass gem corn, I'll be planting the sweet corn in the same way so that it doesn't, we don't have the problem we did with it last year where it was all falling. I had to stake like every uh, ear, not ear, every corn stalk because they kept falling over and getting blown around in the wind. But I think I'll have them, I'll, 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 I've got a system now. <laughs> we know what to do to keep everything together. So, and to pollinate really well, we know what we're doing now. So, I see. So, we got the cucumbers, more corn. Our herbs are going crazy. Carrots. Um, I think we're going to go, I think we're going to go with uh, cantaloupe this year for melons. And there was something else. I'm going to take the tomatoes out. We've, we've decided, much like the lettuce, the only person who eats the tomatoes are my wife. And... She really would rather have strawberries like we had that were ravaged by caterpillars and moths and everything last year. So we lost all our strawberries in the sage, but she'd much rather have the strawberries than tomatoes. So I'm going to rip the tomatoes out after this harvest. After I've got a bunch. I've probably got like a dozen or two dozen tomatoes on there right now. But after these tomatoes are done and I get all of those out, I'm going to take the tomato plant out throw it in compost. Hopefully it doesn't sprout again. And I'll be putting, I just got a new strawberry plant that's currently hanging up, but I'll be transferring our strawberries into the barrel there where the tomatoes and the strawberry, the old strawberries were and put the strawberries back in there 
because it was a good spot and it got the good sun and the strawberries really seem to do well in that spot. So I'll be moving our strawberries there. And I know there's more. I really do. I know there's more, but I think right now, just because of the issues we've had with the big sprawling vining plants, all the melons and stuff, those really spread a lot. So there's not in the cucumbers too. There's just the big issue of we can't plant everything we'd like to because the things we'd like to plant spread out. Like we want to have watermelon and cantaloupe and pumpkins, but all three of those essentially need their own garden bed or need to be planted and just allowed to spread out and take over the yard. And I don't want to do that. I really don't want those things taking over the yard. I want them in their gardens. Our our yard is meant for grass and playing in the grass, not to allow pumpkins to sprawl everywhere. But that's enough time in the garden. Ah, too much about corn. I talk too much about corn. There's so much going on. I didn't even get into the herb garden and the the mound of dill I have right now. But you might want to keep your eyes out. I'm probably post up some more pictures of the corn on my Instagram. Again, I'm at Odd Dad out, as I am everywhere else. But I've got that all out of the way. Let's rearrange some stuff, huh? Let's talk about some TV. Recommended listening. I know the segment says recommended listening, but I haven't made a new one in like five years. <laughs> I really need to because I've, I've deviated from listening to watching so much more recently. But this week's recommendation is a Netflix series called School of Chocolate. And it is a big change from your traditional cooking competition reality show. This show, nobody's eliminated. Yeah, it's called School of Chocolate because the goal of the show is not for all of the contestants or participants, really students. It's not so much about somebody winning. There is a prize at the end, but it is to teach a group of pastry chefs and bakers and chefs, and I believe one of them is actually a chef instructor, all of these new artistic uh, pastry and, and chocolate skills. And it is, I say hosted, it's hard to describe, but it is led by, I can't pronounce this guy, it's this French uh, pastry chef who is famous all over YouTube and Instagram and TikTok. And if you're one of those people who follows food accounts and you've seen like the guy who made a almost photorealistic hamburger out of chocolate and kiwis and all this stuff, that's him. And he's, but this guy is such an advanced chocolate artist that he now teaches people how to do the things he does. And this show is basically based around that sort of thing where every week they will have a pastry skill and like there's a pastry challenge and there's a chocolate challenge and the pastry challenge is individual and he will teach them a skill and they will have to apply that skill in whatever the challenge is, whether it is creating a pastry shape out of an unusual, like having to make your own form out of a type of plastic or using unconventional means, but where you didn't have a form or a mold or something, you had to make something. And in his example, he had made a plastic pencil form to make a whole uh, plastic or chocolate pencil that was filled with cake or cream or something. I forget exactly what it was, but the way, you know, how he made that form and everybody had to kind of do their own individual sort of things, but make a form themselves, nothing pre-made. There was, you know, lessons on how to do a high gloss, a shine on things. But every, and I say every week, but just for the sake of how, you know, cooking competitions are arranged, 
but in every, I can't say every episode because again, because this is not your traditional cooking show or cooking competition. Again, nobody gets eliminated because everybody is there to learn. And in every assignment, so they do their pastry challenge and that's individual and everybody is getting graded. And the two students with the lowest grades have to sit out for the chocolate challenge, which is a group challenge. So they split everybody up into teams and then they have to do a large chocolate piece with a new skill that they're taught for the chocolate. And as everything kind of goes, everybody ends up having to build upon the skills they've learned. So you've learned how to make these individual forms and then you've learned how to do this glossy chocolate effect. And as it goes and it goes, I think it it was a series of eight. So I think there were 16 challenges total, I believe. And all building to the grand prize is something like $50,000 and teaching at this international pastry school. And you get to teach some of these things. And so I haven't watched the finale yet. I have yet to see the finale. But again, one of the things that really threw us off was if you watched any cooking competition, they're basically all arranged. So you would normally have, okay, here's this week's first challenge. And then here's the big chocolate challenge. And then somebody goes home. End of episode. Next episode is the next, you know, rinse and repeat. In this one, the episodes are because nobody goes home. There's no hard delineation other than pastry challenge, chocolate challenge, pastry challenge, chocolate challenge. The episode breaks could be anywhere. They may split and break the episode between those two challenges because so much happened and there was a lot to cover. Or in one case, they actually stopped and the episode ended between like the end of them doing their chocolate challenge and they're getting graded. Again, because they get graded on them and they're given critiques and you don't know, you know, nobody knows what the grades are other than the, the instructor, but it's so interesting. And the other thing, you know, if you've ever watched Great British Bake Off, how people help each other, which is very an American cooking show competition of them. But in this, because they're all students in this setting, everybody's helping each other. And like, if, if somebody needs a hand, with airbrushing something, anybody else could jump in and give them a hand or, hey, can you hold this up while I'm affixing this dolphin to this wave here? Everybody's helping each other because it it benefits everyone to work together. And there are multiple times where, and I I wish I could remember the guy's name, very French, but (laughs) he he will come over and ask somebody what they're doing and how they're doing, what their plan is. And he will straight up tell them that what they are doing is wrong or, or help them or, and come over, Hey, is there anything you need help with? And there are multiple times where him or his uh, assistants will just straight up help somebody with like, there was one challenge where they were having to learn to blow sugar for like make, um, almost like a snow globe effect, which was his example. He made a snow globe out of sugar. And so the me- there's a method he devised and there's the traditional method where you're using, you're pumping it up, kind of like blowing glass. And they would sit there and they had to learn how to do this. And they would teach them and go work with them and coach them and like, okay, and a little faster and turn and, and you know, and help them along because they're teaching them to do these things. And it's very different than you know, a regular old cooking competition where they're like, okay, you have five hours to bake 300 crepe Suzettes. Go! (laughs) May the odds be ever in your favor. Ha ha. And if you drop something, everybody points and laughs and they, ha ha, you're going to lose. Everyone helps here and the instructors help because they're instructors. They're teaching them. And it's so different. I, I really appreciate it. And So I I still need to watch the finale, but I really like this just because it kind of really deviates so much and seeing these sort of a different, it's a different sort of cooking show. I really appreciate it. And again, that it breaks the episodes up in a non-traditional format. 
it, it kind of throws you off. And it was really funny when my wife was sitting there watching it because we were probably two or three episodes before she was like, wait, does nobody get eliminated? Like, no, nobody gets eliminated. They're all just students. <laughs> and it, she's like, what? And it just, we've seen so many cooking shows that, yeah, we're used to watching Chopped and, and Cutthroat Kitchen and, and British Bake Off that everybody goes home. And it's like, no, nobody goes home. <laughs> Other than one guy. There's one guy, he like hacked a big chunk out of his finger, uh, flashbacks. And he had, he was like, and it sucked because he was in the, uh, the chocolate challenge and he took a big chunk out of his finger and had to get taken away. And they had to bring in one of the two that were cut for low scores on the pastry challenge. They had to bring somebody in to finish the challenge. And they like, damn, that sucks. Dude, ow. <laughs> I think he was like trying to cut. I forget what he was trying to cut, but he really just hacked into his thumb. I think it was his thumb, but yeah. Ew. But again, awesome show. Really cool. Very different from normal cooking competition show things. I highly recommend it. It's just cool. Yeah. School of Chocolate on Netflix. Check it out. I told you I've got the news for you this week. I'm just moving it to the end because you know what? It just feels right. (laughs) Starting off, we have a man beaten with a frying pan after refusing potatoes. Yeah, it's actually that simple. (laughs) Police say a 27-year-old man was frying potatoes in a skillet with hot oil and offered them to the 32-year-old victim, who then declined. He then took the pan, threw the potatoes and hot oil in his face, and proceeded to beat him with the pan. The fuck, dude? I'm sorry, this screams mentally unhinged or serious relationship issues like, you never want anything I cook. It's it's either that or the dude's just insane. It didn't say me. Did it? I'm double check this. It does say men. Does it say yes? Yes, it does. It well, it, it says 32 year old victim. So I'm wondering. I don't know. This this sounds like a, a domestic issue. Again, who else would you be offering potato? It's just so weird that it's potatoes. <laughs> Not that it's potatoes, but this is a, a fight where you're like, hey, I'm frying. Like it, it sounds like hash browns. Like, hey, I'm making some hash browns. Do you want some? No. Boom. Fuck you. <laughs> you never want any of my cooking. Gang, gang, gang. Something like that. Nothing I ever make is ever good enough for you. Gang, gang, gang. And that's all I'm getting. That is all I'm getting from this. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why that's where I went with it. <laughs> uh, I don't know. So it's honestly, it's that simple of a story. Literally said, no, I don't want any potatoes. They get beaten to shit with a fucking skillet and taken to the hospital. But seriously, <laughs> let's see. Victim was taken to the hospital to be treated for severe burns and a significant head injury. Man cooking the potatoes faces several charges, including aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah. It never says... If the victim was a man or woman, that's interesting. Keeps referring as to the, it was a man holding the man cooking the potatoes, but 32 year old victim. Interesting. But I don't know if it's interesting, just weird, you know, when they, uh, leave out some details over other ones. Speaking of fighting, and I can't believe this could have been the jackass of the week. Pillow fighting being considered for the Olympic pentathlon. Yeah. So apparently, and because I don't watch the Olympics, realistically, honestly, we we don't watch. Okay, you have to have like regular cable or pay for the coverage, but we don't really watch the Olympics anymore. I think we watch curling. Yeah, I said it. We watch curling and that's about it. So we watch the Winter Olympics for the curlings and that that and but so we don't really care about most of this. But apparently there was actually some controversy in the previous Olympics 
with the horse riding segment in the pentathlon. And so they're trying to find a replacement for that element. And (laughs) I guess one of the options that is being considered is competitive pillow fighting, which apparently this last weekend, there was actually some sort of a pay-per-view event for pillow fighting. Yeah. Modern Pentathlon Federation of Russia claimed this week that the new discipline would be tested at the World Cup this year, starting with season opener in Cairo. Let's see. (laughs) It's just so weird. Professional pillow fighting is due to make its pay-per-view debut with an event organized by Pillow Fight Championship in Florida in the United States. It says today, which was January 29th. Okay, when they made dodgeball more formal and competitive, I, I accepted that. I mean, the movie was even pretty good. The you know formalizing the rules, but it was dodgeball. It is still you know it's it's a playground game, but you could see a formal sport of dodgeball. But pillow fighting, pillow fighting is exclusively the sport of sleepovers. I don't think it's even acceptable to have a pillow fight unless you're in pajamas. Men or women, I don't care. Pillow fighting is a pajama sport. What is the official uniform of this formal pillow fighting that they plan on putting in the Olympics? What the fuck? And how do you gauge, like, what, how, how do you, how do you formally, how, what is this professional pillow fighting they want to do in the Olympics? Like, how do they, is this like, you know, the Super Bowl where the footballs have to be pressurized to a certain exact uh, 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 PSI, sorry, fumbling over words. Uh, do you have to use a certain weight of pillow? You got to, you know, check them to make sure they're not, you know, there's no oranges or anything hidden in the bottom. What, how, how do you do professional pillow fighting, really? To be fair, when this option was presented to the Olympic athletes, even they thought it was a joke. Apparently it's not. That's, that's, that, that is really the craziest part. It's not a joke. They're actually serious about this. <laughs> but it, it's not the only option they're considering. But what's funny is they call it a combat sport. <laughs> oh, I, I, I just can't. Let's see. Yeah, the official description. <laughs> uh, a combat sport where competitors hit each other with specialized pillows. Uh, there's not enough eye roll in the world for that description, <laughs> but the rest of the list is, is, is at least decent. Um, let's see cycling, either mountain biking or motocross or like an electric bike, uh, roller skating, obstacle racing, uh, on water or land, a steeplechase and hurdles, or just running, I guess, are the options to replace the the horseback riding. But the fact that pillow fighting is being considered and drone racing is being considered really guys just, I don't know if the person who recommended this should be fired or given award for the best troll of the year. <laughs> uh, pillow fighting in the Olympics. It's, it's not going to happen, but the fact that they're considering it is enough. <laughs> But you know what? That means it is time for the Jackass of the Week. A former Swiss banking CEO who is currently on trial for fraud claims that the $280,000 he spent in strip clubs were all just business expenses. Let me say that again. $280,000 in strip clubs. Holy shit. (laughs) He is one of seven executives from this bank that are on on trial for fraud right now. $280,000 
to be fair, I believe that is actually spread over like nine years. But that's a lot of hoe money. <laughs> and okay, I don't know. I, I have to assume this guy watched a lot of Sopranos or something where all their business was done in strip clubs. And I know that's a thing. I'm fully aware that businessmen doing business in strip clubs is a thing. I remember seeing a lot of news stories about it that is one of those, like the general premise being it is a comfortable situation. You know, people let their guard down at the strip club. You're not as on edge, you know, versus being in a conference room somewhere. You're sitting there with a bunch of strippers around and you're eating a questionable steak. You they're, they're, they're more personable, I guess. I guess that's the idea. But I'm pretty sure you can't deduct the money that you stick in the G-strings from your taxes. I'm pretty sure you need a receipt for that. And I don't think any of the girls are handing them out. I don't know what strip clubs are like in Switzerland. Maybe you get a receipt from the girl. I have no idea. But I'm pretty sure, just, just slightly sure that you can't claim stripper tips as a business expense. I'm, I'm pretty sure even like if you went and, and paid for a, for a lap dance or a private show or anything like, I'm pretty sure you need to have at very least an itemized receipt. And personally, if I'd spent that much on strippers, not that I would, actually I've never been to a strip club other than like, hey, can you guys get me change? Um, <laughs> that's a story for another day. But I've never, uh, I'm pretty sure if I'd spent $280,000 on strippers, that I was, you know, price gouging. <laughs> I really feel like there's some some price gouging going on if there's $280,000 being spent on strippers. The article also mentions that he spent $760 on dinner with a woman from Tinder claiming it was an interview for a real estate job. <laughs> he also was charged $4,500 by a hotel because of a fight he had with a stripper. This dude needs to get the hell away from the strippers. I mean, I guess considering he's probably going to prison for a very long time. $280,000 on strippers as a business expense for the bank. What a jackass. Well, my dear oddballs, that is going to do it for me tonight. Thank you so much for listening, for downloading the show, for sharing it with your friends and doing all the things. You know that is always the, the best thing you could possibly do for any podcast you listen to. Tell people about it. Share it on social media. Tag me. I'm at OddDatOut in all the places. Go to OddDatOutPodcast.com to catch all of the back episodes. You can buy some merch there. You can donate on Patreon. Although I keep saying we need to get rid of it. I, I really need to. Uh, buy me a coffee. Do all the things. It's all there. OddDadOutPodcast.com at OddDadOut on all the social media places. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Show at OddDadOutPodcast.com or voicemail or text me 516-636-7631 that's 516-OTOPOD1 I know there's more crap that goes here at the end but I don't remember it because I haven't done this in two months so instead I'm just going to say to you my oddballs thank you and good night <laughs>